When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hey there, howdy and hello, y'all. It's Ginger Minge and I am back, 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 back again with another exciting edition of Local Queen, where we celebrate all of your hometown sheroes. Uh, today, I am, I know I always say, I'm very excited, and it's true. I'm always very excited because I get to talk to all these people and kind of share them with the world. But today, I'm particularly excited because I get to meet somebody new. I am meeting a new friend, and we are all going to share this journey together. So please, without any further ado, from Baltimore, Maryland, please put your hands together for the one and the only Washington Heights. How are you? Burr, 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 burr. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Look I'm how beautiful good. you are. Those teeth are gorgeous. Now, for those of you who are just listening to this podcast, make sure you pop on over to social medias, check out Washington Heights, and look how gorgeous that smile is. I love it. I had braces for three years, and they did their job. Do you know I wanted braces so bad when I was a kid? I, like, I literally, my father walked in, and I had a hammer. I don't know what I was going to do to it, (laughs) but I was like, I have a hammer. I really want braces. I never got them. All I got was an ass whooping. Yeah, I got plenty of those and braces, so. (laughs) But at least you got the braces. I did, I did, I did. So you are from Baltimore, Maryland, born and raised? Uh, No, I was actually born right outside of Atlanta in Decatur. Okay, I've um, been to Decatur. Decatur where it's greater. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I went to college at Towson University, and once I graduated, I just decided to stay here. And then while I was in school, I started drag up here. Oh, I love that. So you start drag in Baltimore, Maryland. You're from Decatur, Georgia, but somehow you end up with the drag name Washington Heights. So where does that come from? So the real story is my drag mother, Brooklyn Heights, not the one from Drag Race. um, It's spelled like the neighborhood. Um, We were drunk backstage after a show one day and I probably said or did something stupid. And she was like, you'd probably be my only drag child if I had one. And I was like, well, what would my name be? And right off the bat, she was like, Washington Heights. Well, it makes sense. And I lived in Washington Heights for a couple of years in my my much, much younger days. Um, Fun place, great times. And I'm sure that that's what people get when they come to a Washington Heights show. I mean, it's chaotic, but yes, it's definitely fun. Hey, chaotic is always super fun because it's so boring when you go to a show knowing exactly what you're going to see, what wig, what costume, what number. Who's going to be there in the audience? Nobody wants that. We always want to keep it fresh and fun and funky. Always and forever. (laughs) So you do Wild and Out Wednesday, which was voted the best drag show in 2021? Yes. um, We do. We have this event called the Baltimore Drag Awards every, well, because of COVID, it was in the fall, but it's usually in May. Um, But yeah, the um, community, like people who go to shows, they vote on like a Google Drive and... Yeah, we won Best Drag Show. 
That's cool. So it's like um, the glam. Are they the Glammies? I think the Glam Awards in New York yeah. City. I've been to them. I just I used to drink a lot, so I don't remember many of the events I've attended over the years. Um, but I remember how big of a deal those were yeah. in town. I'm I'm really sad that we don't have anything like that in Orlando. Um, how long has this been going on? How prestigious is it? Um, I think it started in 2016, 2017. That was the first year, 2017. And um, it used to be held at a theater, which, oh my God, I forgot the name of the theater. But um, this year, because of COVID, we had to go outside. And so there's a place called Power Plant Live. And it's like an outdoor pavilion that seats like 200 people. Um, But yeah, it's... So it depends who you ask in the community. Some people love the awards because I think everyone should be rewarded, even if it's just um, like literally the reward. The awards are golden rats, <laughs> like rats, like a, it's like a rat squeaky toy like that's spray painted gold. A little mouse, but not as cute. Yeah, and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like but, me. Um, I'm like a little mouse, but I'm bigger and not as cute. And sometimes and I'm spray the painted rat. gold. Cause I'm way bigger, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so some people don't like it because they feel like it's an unfair popularity contest and that shouldn't determine how successful you are in drag. But a lot of us, like I look at it, like a lot of us in the queer community were never really, um, noticed for things we did. Like in high school, I say queer people are the best losers there are because in high school, a lot of us were losers and now you finally have an opportunity to be recognized for what you're doing. So yeah, we do uh, a lot of categories. We have best drag show, best femme presenting drag queen, best ma- uh, masculine male entertainer, and then non-binary performer, best venue and all that. So I love there's something that. for everyone. I know we get so much shit for our generation. Well, I'm going to ask, what? how old are you? I'm 29. 29. Okay, so I'm just I'm a whisper older at 37. But... I know that our generation, as I'll put it, you know, we always get a lot of people saying, oh my goodness, you, you guys, you want participation trophies for everything. If you don't win, unless you actually win something. And I think that is such a bullshit attitude because you are absolutely right. We are the the community. I mean, there's several communities, but we are a part of this community where we were never celebrated for these things when we were growing up. And I think it's it's time that people start to take notice and start to give us our dues, really. You know, that's one reason why I started this podcast in the first place was so that we could uplift voices and get, get people some recognition. So I want to know just kind of the Reader's Digest version of who Washington Heights is. Washington Heights is stupid. Um, I like, I have a very dry sense of humor. I'm very sarcastic. Um, when I'm hosting shows, I usually ask for like 10 tequila shots because it helps me get through the show. Um, I do, I do wrestling shows too. So So, a lot um, of people may not know your father was actually a very famous wrestler from the ECW, right? Yes. He was new Jack from ECW. New Jack. Uh, even me not being a huge wrestling fan. Like, I love wrestling now because my husband is totally into wrestling. But I remember growing up hearing about New Jack. 
through all yeah, of the men in my family. Crazy. Um, <laughs> so does that kind of like bleed over into your style of drag having grown up around that um kind of so we have the same personality i'm very outgoing i'm very um i can be very inappropriate on the mic as most drag queens are yeah. um and my whole thing about washington heights and like my whole character of the drag queen is i'm already six three out of drag oh and so <laughs> When I have heels on, I'm like six, 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 seven. And so I'm just larger than life, crazy, obnoxious, loud, um, chaotic drag queen. Now, I was always so um, not averse, but I really wasn't thrilled to go and watch any kind of wrestling presentation because I was like, oh, this is this is macho redneck straight man because that was my <laughs> reference point growing up. And then once my husband started to like ease me into it, I went, this is drag. This is it drag really is. for for macho straight men. Like, well, I mean everybody else too at this point, but right. it's the tight costumes and the dramatics and the pyrotechnics and the music and characters. All of yeah. that. It's wrestling is just one big drag show. It's like people try to say it's different, but after like I've been a part of the wrestling scene for about two years now. And uh, after attending and working a lot of shows, I'm like, this is literally just one big drag show minus the makeup. <laughs> exactly. Well, and even well, then I question sometimes. <laughs> some of them, some of them have a nice spray tan and a lot of makeup, but yeah. <laughs> we've actually become very good friends with uh, Mickey James and, okay. and her whole group, her gall group. We love them. Um, and they have really kind of been my gateway drag into, into the wrestling world. And we went down to see her compete in Miami, maybe a month or so ago. I was like, Oh, I feel like I am at a RuPaul's drag race finale. Yeah, it's the, I just did a show in Pittsburgh uh, with Enjoy Wrestling two weeks ago, and it's literally like an entire production. Like, we had to get there at 3 o'clock. We had to do promo shoots, video shoots. We had to do uh, – we had to cut promos. And, um, yeah, like, I was there around 3, and I didn't go on until 9.15. I believe it. I completely believe it. Yeah, so, terrible. So you wrestle as a drag queen? So for now, I'm not wrestling. I did get hit in the back of the head a couple months ago. Like that was my whole like introduction to like the physical aspect of wrestling. Um, like it's like a stage production. I had a cue. I had to say something. I turned around and then they're like, just wait for it. You're going to get knocked in the back of the head. And sure enough, got knocked in the back of the head. Um, but yeah, it's, I made, I mostly um, perform. So I rap live. Well, like rap over a track. Uh-huh. And um but the the ring is my stage. So instead of I guess being on like a dance floor, I'm inside the ring performing and there's a we did a wrestling show called Paris is Bumping and it's we had a lip sync challenge. So uh -huh. um a straight person who is not well, I don't know if they identify as straight. Someone who is not a drag queen. Mm -hmm. Um they tried to challenge me to a lip sync and I ended up winning, and so it's like they incorporate drag and it's like queer life and references references into like so many aspects of it. Like um, we gave out trophies for like the ball for like presentation and outfits, and they had a full panel and they gave their tins or you got chopped. It was a full thing. 
And is this something that is specific to the organization that you're working with, or is it something that's kind of spreading across all of the different branches of wrestling? So there's no specific organization that I work with. Um, It's independent wrestling. So instead of working for like AEW or WWE, they are their own, they they make their own storylines. Okay. And you have show promoters like um, Enjoy Wrestling, Paris is Bumping, um there's another show called polyam cult party so like wrestlers will wrestle each other and they can carry their storylines to different shows okay so instead of having to follow like wwe is very strict and they will tell you what outfit you have to wear how you have to look how you have to act this we get to make our own personalities our own storylines our own outcomes and they go from like i know a couple feuds lasted for like over a year so it's we pretty much get to do whatever we want I kind of am so intrigued. I really want to be a part of this at some point. I want to do a wrestling gig. I mean, maybe I could just be the girl that carries like numbers or something. They still, yeah. I don't know if they do that or not. But you know who else is really interested in wrestling is James Mansfield. Yes, yeah. actually. Um, so before my dad passed away, I got on Twitter and was talking a lot of shit. And like, I was like, oh, New Jack is my dad, but he doesn't approve of me being a drag queen, blah, blah, blah. And she was one of the ones who reached out first and was like, wait, what? (sighs) His child is a drag queen. So yeah, it was, it was kind of funny, like how it all tied back in together. I think that's, that's very interesting. I did not realize that your father did not approve of you being a drag queen. Do you feel comfortable spilling the tea? Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I literally was in like having a petty mood and I just made a tweet like, yeah, New Jack's my dad. He doesn't approve of me being a drag queen. And he cut off communication with me, literally took a nap, and then the tweet went viral. And um, so, yeah, I did interviews like uh, Vice Mag, or not Vice, Vice.com, uh-huh. Outsports, and they were just like pretty much getting the whole backstory. And I told them like he pretty much wasn't a part of my life that much. But um, but yeah, it was it was really crazy how like, everything came together because what I didn't know is in the wrestling scene, the independent wrestling scene, there are a lot of queer wrestlers. Uh huh. So majority of the shows I work for, you have non-binary performers, you have um, transgender performers, transgender wrestlers, and you have people all over the spectrum. You have um, wrestlers who are bisexual, who are polyamorous, who it's, a huge melting pot of what you don't get to see mainstream, but we have like our own underground shows pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, like Mike Pero from Orlando, he does a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's very out and proud him and his gorgeous husband, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so successful. My best friend Gidget, who she tours with me and makes a lot of my costumes and stuff. She's been doing his costumes for years. Okay. And I remember walking into her garage time and time again, go, girl, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's Mike's pants. He busted him out wrestling again. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is Mike? Like <laughs> wrestling dressed like that. Um, it- America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
so interesting to me. Like the whole wrestling world is just, it's so vast to me. It's, it's a lot like the drag world in the sense that it seems very regional. Like the rules change and the nuances change everywhere you go. There's always something new and interesting happening. Every time you you read something else to turn the corner. Is that the case? Yeah. Um, so one of my good friends, I call her like my mentor, uh, uh, Pollo Del Mar. She's from, I think, San Francisco, somewhere in California. She's going to kill me. But um, yeah, she um, she's the one who I think in the independent wrestling, she's a manager. So she goes to the ring with her tag team when they're wrestling. She yells, she gets in the way, she does all that, that you would see like the divas do back in the uh-huh. day for WWE. And so now, yeah, we are like, we're changing the rules. We have shows at, I guess, straight venues that aren't like a queer club. But um, yeah, you see drag queens now. You see um, there's so many amazing performers, like just like transgender wrestlers who like wrestle people who are cisgendered. And it's just like you don't have, there are people who make shitty comments, but for the most part, there's so much support. And it's like, there's so much respect for everything that is being done with queer wrestling inside of uh, independent wrestling. Well, and let's be real. That's going to happen anywhere you go. This is just a good right. life lesson to anybody listening right now. Right. No matter where you go, who you are, what you do, there is going to be somebody with some shit to say. And typically it reflects more on them than it does on you. So don't fucking worry about it. Exactly. Ever. Just do what makes you happy. Now, so you... you I'm trying to understand. So you said that your father really wasn't a part of your life too much growing up uh yeah so for the majority of my childhood probably until high school college um he traveled a lot for wrestling and so like you would see a show on tv monday tuesday and friday but they do smaller arenas wednesday thursday saturday sunday so you're always traveling and um so he started around the year i was born in 92 but yet his career picked up and peaked around like early 2000 so um, yeah, we just, we, yeah, we didn't, um, have like that strong of a relationship, but he would still come to town and visit. And so we would hang out as much as we could. But I think the whole, um, shock of finding out that I'm gay and then I was a drag queen, excuse me, his fans saw that and they were like, what the fuck is this? And he kind of just like panicked. Yeah. And so instead of, cause he didn't know how to explain it. And so instead of reaching out to me, which a lot of us are stubborn, a lot of us are hard-headed, and instead of learning, we avoid it. Yeah. And what I ended up learning after he passed away is that he just didn't know how to handle the situation. So his defense mechanism was to just avoid and ignore me. Yeah. I've met a lot of people like that in my life, my father being one of them. And it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of hear somebody else's perspective on it. Like talking to um, my father's family, which I don't have a close connection with any of them, um, but it's been interesting to kind of talk to them over the years and see how he was perceived outside of our home. Because in our home, like I just, I saw him as, a disconnected monster most of the time. And according to everybody else in, in the world, he was just the nicest, sweetest guy with always like a full heart of things to say. And I was really sad that I did not get that side of my father. 
for yeah, a long time I thought it was me. I thought like I was the issue. Yeah, that's a lot like how my uh, my story played out too. Because like I said, we didn't have a relationship, but once he passed away, like for some reason, I was always told to not like my stepmother. There was just like no communication, and whatever she did, my sister and I we despised it. But once he passed away and we actually got to sit down and talk, it was like, why haven't we've been talking this entire time. And the thing with him is, yeah, he, so she told me that he actually watched several of the shows I did, the wrestling shows I did, and he was proud of me. But again, he just like, didn't know how to express it. And again, like you, I thought he was some big monster, terrible person, but in the wrestling world, people like held him high up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that until after he passed and I started doing shows, like people asking for pictures. I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah i mean and my father was uh for 45 years was um a mail carrier on the same route in the same town and just knew everybody's story everybody's family just all of these things that felt like he was uh so much more invested in other people than he was with us at home and then coming to find out later it was because it's just he didn't know how to handle the situations that were at home particularly with somebody like me because he was you know southern baptist former military both of my brothers were military as well i was the youngest by a long shot and i suddenly like his hopes and dreams for me were to be this big football player this that the other thing and all of a sudden i was not I was yeah. the complete opposite and he didn't know how to handle it. And so I, the one thing I will always be very grateful to drag race for is well, there's many things, but the most important is that it forced us to reconnect after season seven. And yeah. I'm very happy that we have the opportunity. We'll never be friends, but we can be friendly and right. come to a better understanding of each other because yeah, I could not imagine going through like what you're going through where you're learning about this after it's too late. Right. And that was my biggest regret was um, being very stubborn like him and, and being like, well, I'm going to wait for him to reach out to me. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like that typical saying where you never know what tomorrow brings. So don't hold grudges. Um, But yeah, like I, we talked to my stepmother's side of the family all like pretty often now. And it's like, why were we fighting and arguing this entire time or just not communicating? So it's, unfortunately I never had personal closure with him, but um, I said mother telling me that he was proud of me. It was kind of like my own personal closure that I had. So. And you know, you can feel it. Like yeah. even in those moments where I have gone, Oh my gosh, if my father could see me now, he would just curl up and die. And you also feel on the inside. no, I think that he would actually appreciate how hard I've worked. And that was the one thing about him was his work ethic was huge. That was everything to him. So I was like, as long as I'm doing that, I know that I'm at least kind of on the right path. It's situations and relationships and, and mothers and fathers and siblings that can all be so fucked up and so traumatic for so many people. Right. And I think people need to cut themselves some slack sometimes when they feel like they're bearing the burden of it a lot. Yeah. I, I have felt that way. I'm sure you have as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause and, out of my siblings, I'm the most stubborn and he doesn't, he didn't like being told no. And I was the first one to tell him no. 
And now looking back, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have been such an asshole. But but even if you weren't, you wouldn't have been true to yourself or how you felt. And right. again, see, this is all the things that go into that, that mental mind fuck sometimes about, oh my God, like, what could I have said? What could I have done? Nothing. You just got to live yourself authentically. You have to be who you are and, and stand up for the things that feel right to you and just kind of trust that people are going to understand that later. Yeah. And once, unfortunately, once he passed away, I got, once I had the closure and his fans heard my side of the story, we kind of did have the coming together and it's okay now. And look at you now, like you're so involved with the wrestling world and you're kind of carving out a new niche, which I mean, yes, there are drag queens involved and and gay people involved and, and trans people involved in wrestling now, but you're one of the pioneers. Yeah, and that's got to be really exciting. It is, because, like, I have went to several wrestling shows when I was younger, and I never even saw, like, a queer person that I knew of, an out queer person. So now it's like, holy shit, like, our generation, our group of wrestlers are, we are changing the game yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I think that's, it's so cool. And it's getting people like me who had this, like, immediate aversion towards wrestling interested in it. And actually, like, questioning whether I want to be a part of it or something because it seems so much larger than life and so fun and so dramatic. I love drama. Oh, it's... Love it. The most dramatic wrestlers are probably more dramatic than drag queens at times. I I would say that. (laughs) I would (laughs) watch all these matches. They are dramatic, Mama. It's like a telenovela. Yeah, it's very sad. So uh, you got started because your your, um, drag mother's name is Brooklyn Heights. You became Washington Heights. And this all stemmed from a dressing room conversation where she said, oh, if I had a drag child, it would probably be you. Were you doing drag at that point? So I was... If my friends hear this, they're going to dog me. But I used I did drag for a year and a half before I became Washington Heights. And I went by the name of Cherry Poppins. Okay. I've met several Cherry Poppins in my life. Yeah. And that was kind of just like my artistic outlet where I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but I knew I wanted to do drag. I just didn't have any guidance. But once I became Washington Heights is when I took it serious. I started hosting shows and got, I guess, like the full exposure to drag. So that's kind of like where it started and then led to. Were you uh, in theater as a kid? Like what was your your creativity when you were younger? Um, I did children's choir. Um, I did a couple of theater shows, but I liked, I liked the spotlight, but I would, I wanted to be in the back in the like, just like two lines. That's all I need. (laughs) then I'm out of there. Um, But my grandfather was a magician and a clown growing up. And so seeing him get attention and then my dad also being the wrestler and being in front of a crowd, it kind of like, once I knew what I was doing and wanted to do, I was like, hmm, I think I want to be in the spotlight too. So it's kind of just like a snowball effect from childhood until now of, I guess, making me the queen I am. Well, and it really, like, it's it sounds like a joke, but it's not. You are kind of combining everything of, about your grandfather with everything about your father. Like, 
the clowning aspect, making putting on crazy clothes and making people feel good. The magician aspect, because we make things disappear and reappear wherever we want. And the whole like larger than life wrestling persona is very akin to a drag persona. I think it's it's kind of the natural progression. Yeah, it like once I started doing wrestling shows, like hosting a drag show is one thing, but being on stage and entering by yourself through the curtain and seeing like four or 500 people out there, you're like, holy shit, this is a different level of like spotlight. But it's, it's definitely, I, I am in the right place now where I want to be. And so how long have you been doing drag at this point? Um, it'll be eight years in April. Eight years in April. And then what is like, um, what, what are you working towards? What's your ultimate goal in your drag career? Um, so I guess it, I kind of started pushing myself when we had the Baltimore Drag Awards the first time and I wasn't nominated for anything. And so my goal was to at least be nominated and then ultimate goal was to win. And so in 2018, I won Drag Queen of the Year for Baltimore and Best Show Host. And um, so I, I wanted to get into like the production side of shows. And so I started hosting my own shows and seeing how it's done and doing the marketing for it. And um, I guess once I kind of plateaued with hosting, I felt stuck. So the wrestling was like the next step of what I wanted to do. And so Mm -hmm. I think also in a perfect world, one day I want to be in a circus as a drag queen. That's so interesting. I love that. I worked for Ringling Brothers for five months in 2016. And again, being in the spotlight in front of 10,000 plus people, I was like, yeah, we need to have a drag queen in the circus. (laughs) Now, I know that circuses get a lot of shit. They're very, like, touchy. It's a touchy subject. But I have a confession to make. I have never in my life been to a circus. Ever. I have only seen them on television. Oh, my God. So my grandfather would literally take me every year. Like, they always came to Atlanta in February, so we would go two or three times. I would take pictures with the clowns. He would put them on, like, shirts for me to wear, and we would go back, which is like, you know, we can go to the mall, just print out pictures and put them on a shirt. It was, yeah. it was very that. So I was conditioned at a young age to love the circus. But, yeah, it's, Ringling Brothers is coming back. We're going to go see a show together. I want to I, – I promise you, right here in front of all these people, I will go to my very first circus with you because I feel like I want to experience it with a professional – yeah somebody who knows what it's supposed to be so they can tell me if it's any good oh absolutely like when ringling would come to town or the big apple circus or circus Soleil, i always have to get ringside seats i don't like sitting far back i want to be right there now i i I will say if cirque du soleil counts i have been to several of those i enjoy them so cirque du soleil it is a circus but it's more like a european style circus where it's more about like the dancing and the acrobatics and not the animals and um yeah so like the, the show play- baskets the what the tv show baskets you need to go watch it so zach galifianakis plays twins but the main character that he plays is this french clown like he wants to be a french clown so bad okay. and he somehow ends up in a rodeo as a rodeo clown <sighs> while he's trying to do it as a french clown and the two of them just don't mesh and louis anderson rest his soul plays his mother christine absolutely bright it's on hulu check it out but i will to me like, i've never been to a rodeo either and watching that 
on TV was, it was very intriguing. I was like, I, I don't know about like the, the bulls and the running and this, that, and the other thing, but it seems like the general atmosphere might be interesting to kind of experience at some point. Yeah. Um, I think I'm good on the rodeos. I'll just watch YouTube <laughs> videos of those, but um, yeah, I'm going to take you to a circus. We're going to make this happen. And, and then we're going to start our own called Cirque du Soleil's front. Trademark it. Hashtag trademarked. We're doing it. <laughs> Hashtag Cirque du Soleil's front. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about the Baltimore drag scene? I, I have to say I am huge fan of Divine, obviously, in my entire life. I've met so many people from Baltimore that I love and adore. I haven't been there. I haven't performed. I haven't been immersed in that scene. So I really am interested to kind of know more about it. Well, first, I host several shows. So we'll talk. We'll try to, you know, get you up here. I would love Um, that. Baltimore's drag scene. Hmm. It is. It's trying to think. So we used to have a club called Club Hippo. And up until I think 2015, they closed in 2015, Baltimore was a big pageant city. Okay, and I so, did know that. I did yeah. know that. But once uh, Club Hippo closed, um, a lot of the pageant girls moved out to Western Maryland and they have a different club out there that they work at, which is about an hour and a half away. Um, Baltimore went through, it was kind of like you had the young girls or the young performers leading the pack with like little to no guidance and we kind of over the past like eight seven or eight years we've kind of like remolded and it's um it's very diverse baltimore is i would say like growing up in atlanta atlanta is polished pageant yeah like you Mm -hmm. can't get on stage without nails baltimore it's it's kind of like like my proud mother moment um you have many hosts of color it's not just like one queen hosting everywhere you have um afab hosts you have um trans performers you have drag queens drag kings very diverse you have the like the divine scene the grunge drag you Mm -hmm. have a lot of comedy queens um we don't really have a lot of pageant girls anymore actually which is, I think, is kind of nice. Because, well, they travel in packs, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> they literally all picked up and left. Um, but no, Baltimore's drag scene is like, it's its own thing. It's, I don't even know, like, how to accurately describe it, but it's like, it's pretty fucking awesome. It's, mm-hmm. there are shows for everyone. Um, there are shows in dive bars, at big clubs, at, like, upscale restaurants. There's probably at least eight or nine different drag shows every week in Baltimore. I love that. It sounds a lot like kind of the evolution that Orlando took because when I first started doing drag here, there was one host that ran the entire town, you know, one, maybe two, if the other one happened to live here at the time. Right. And then an entire cast of beautiful trans women who did the same songs and the same costumes every single time. Um, and a lot of pageantry as well. Right. I mean, everything was just yanked and polished and gowns and beads and that. And 
I had I wasn't invited to be a part of that because I didn't look like that. I that wasn't my sensibility on a microphone. It wasn't my sensibility on stage. So I had to kind of create my own thing. Right. And then that that's my proud mommy moment is that not just me, but our little group of ragtag misfits that started creating our own thing kind of sparked the rest of the town to uh, really kind of re-examine and open their minds up. And now there's some kind of drag for everybody. Yeah. And it's um, really exciting to see because it was not that 15 years ago. Baltimore is, now that I think about it, Baltimore is, um, you have a lot of people who did not have that moment to be on a cast or to be in a show because maybe they were a newer performer and you have the clicks. And so they're not going to book people they don't know or they don't like. Mm. So you have a, you honestly have a lot of shows started by people who it's kind of like a fuck you. I'm going to do my own thing yeah. now. It's, um, it's very much. Yeah. You, um, yeah. It's just got my words scrambled real quick, but no, it's, um, a lot of girls or performers who didn't have a space, so they made their own spaces. And one thing about Baltimore, so I don't know if you kept up with um, the Chicago Black Drag count, uh, Council last year. Yes. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And so a big thing in Baltimore, similar to Chicago, was um, paying performers and booking performers uh, more regularly and moving away from the show cast where you have the same five performers each time. Mm-hmm. And... So I know me personally, it's not to have like a token, like a token black performer, a token trans performer, a token burlesque performer. It's giving a chance to people who like when I didn't have a chance, I have to now give chances to people who are working hard and are proving that they can work hard. And it doesn't have to be, oh, you have to wear nails. You have to be doing drag for five years. No, if you're a new performer and you are good, everyone will get a chance. And so exactly, it, yeah. It, hi, Anthony Ginger said hi. That's my roommate. He's not paying attention. Anthony's cute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it's very uh, interesting that you say that because when I first started doing uh, my shows here, I had a lot of well at the point at that point we called them bio queens. That was just yeah. kind of the catch-all term. Um, now they're the AFAB queens, which I think sounds a fabulous. I love that. But <laughs> I was always told by the people who owned the venues we were promoting and all these things. That's not drag. You can't do that. That is not yeah. drag. And I was like, this is my favorite kind of drag yeah. because you're taking somebody who was already perceived some specific way and heightening that. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's like, that's what drag has always been to me is just like, like, a heightened sense of femininity or masculinity. It's just fucking with gender. Right. And it's like over-exaggerating everything that you would, that you wouldn't see every day. And um, one thing that I guess has gotten to me and like, I'm trying to instill in the crowds here, we have some very good drag Kings, male entertainers, mm-hmm. trans performers, non-binary performers. And one thing that I guess I push on the crowd is the same respect you give to the drag queen you give to everyone else yeah. because I've had, I've stopped shows and yelled at crowds because they either cut through the dance floor when someone's performing, who is like a trans, like a, a trans performer or like a drag King. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we're working to get the same amount of respect for everyone. It doesn't matter 
what you look like, where you come from. If you are performing in this show, you get the same amount of respect as everyone else who's in the show. Absolutely. And it's, that is very important. I think that's a good lesson again, just across the board, whether it's in the bar or on drag race or Dragula or Camp Wanakiki, any platform that we have that celebrates the diversity in the community, I think should be applauded. And you should also um, open your mind up a little bit, even if you don't think it's particularly your type of thing. Right. Uh, you might be surprised. You might be shocked. And if not, I guarantee you it'll be over in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes or less. but it takes a lot to get out there and really kind of bear your soul and share your art and put it up to be ridiculed, mocked, torn apart. All that. Those are the things that go through at least my mind every time before I hit the stage, this is what this performance means to me. This is what I want to get out of it. And here's everything that could go wrong. They could hate this. They could hate that. I used to get caught up in my head about that. And then I realized if I spend so much time dwelling on that shit, I'm not going to be able to really just kind of live in the moment. Um, And when you can live in the moment, I think people are more easily, you know, connected to you. So my biggest thing that I tell newer performers or anyone who's nervous, I'd say people are paying to see you. They can't tell you what you're doing right or wrong. At the end of the day, they are giving you their money. You are not giving them anything except for performance. So it doesn't matter what they think or what they say. They're literally paying to be there. So they fuck their opinions. Yeah, you bought it. Yeah. <laughs> no refunds, no exchanges. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is there any kind of drama or hot gossip from the Baltimore, Maryland drag scene? Hmm, drama. I don't know her. <laughs> um. No, we Baltimore is, you have a lot of big personalities who butt heads from time to time. But at the end of the day, Baltimore is small. We call it small-timore. Um, most, we have three gay, well, queer, LGBT venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, you're going to run into the person you have a problem with. And it's, it's going to get settled. Either don't talk to the person or just be an adult. What's your advice to girls who um, are working in a situation? This is something we have never covered on here before. So I'm interested to get your opinion. The girls who have some kind of beef but have to work together. Like, how do you really kind of get around that? I don't really have a lot of problems. I'm very just like last day of the cold. It's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But if there are people who have a problem, I say show up. Do your job, perform, collect your check, and leave. Um, it's or just address the situation. Either pull the person aside, or message them, or text them, and be like, "Hey, so I heard this, this, and this. Um, let's settle this." Or agree to disagree and just don't talk to each other. Do you feel it's a show director's responsibility to kind of squash the beef between performers that work for you, or or anything like that? Because I've always I've walked that fine line of all right i want the show to be as good as it can be so as the mother hen if i feel like these two are not connecting i need to fix that but then on the other side of that it's like that's your personal life and i shouldn't get involved in it but then i also go back to but this is my personal life and i don't want bullshit happening here yeah i um i've had a few situations where 
it was one of my first shows I ever produced and we kind of got complacent. And then if we would try to do a group number, you'd have one person want to lead it. The other person would want to lead it. And then one person is sitting back and we've had um, where we come into the club like two hours earlier than we normally do. And we sit, we get food and we talk everything out. I have fully made a cast sit in a room face to face and just like, where did this problem start? How did it get to where it is now? And how can we move forward? And unfortunately, I have had to cut people from cast because it's, they didn't do what we said we were going to do. Um, if there's drama, I, I don't like drama. I do like drama, but I don't like drama. I like drama when it's not mine. Yeah. Um, but it, once it starts affecting a show, that's when I step in. I'm like, all right, we either need to fix it or someone's getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in show business, nothing is permanent. Nothing lasts forever. And you never know when the next person is going to be ready to take your spot. Yeah. And if you are, like you said, doing the same numbers over and over and over, or just not putting in effort and just showing up just to get money. I think I've had to tell people this. There's, you can show up. Yes, the money is nice. We're not going to lie. Money is always nice. Yeah. But if that is your main reason for showing up to perform, you don't need to be there. No. Like no, my, no. Whole, my thing is I want my drag show to be the reason someone's week got better. Yep. I don't like the money. Yes, it is nice. But at the end of the day, we're there to entertain people. And if you don't have that aspect in your head, then you don't need to be there performing. I also feel like in the drag world, like people look at us and go, you're entertainers, particularly those of us who have like been on TV. They look at you and go, you are rich, mama. You get all this money to show up and wear wigs and dresses and da-da-da-da-da. Not realizing that probably 99.9% of the money that is made on on the national level, international level, local level, whatever, gets invested back into it because it's an art and it's a passion. And I always said that when this becomes a job instead of a career, I'm going to hang up my heels. Right. Because a career you're passionate about. Yes, and you want to be there, you want to do it. And you want to keep getting better and better and, and, and improving yourself and... I don't know. I just think it's so interesting sometimes when people just have assumptions about, um, well, basically drag queens and what we do and and what we earn and what we're worth and all that. Right. Yeah. There's like, we're still working to get our show pay increased. People don't realize a lot of shows. When I first started hosting a show, we were paid $20 a person. And that's me being a show host, doing the marketing material, booking the entertainers, $20 a person. But like we've, now that I produce my own shows, I have a say in how much people get paid. So I'm trying to pay them as best I can. But yeah, drag, a lot of the money we make in a show, like I can make $300, $400 in a show, that goes right to rent. I never even see that money. And so just because you see like people make it rain on someone, that's one show out of 30 shows in a month that you had a good night. It's not like that every night. Oh, we started a, a a little bit of a revolution here a, a, a while back because we were the same. Like everybody was starting out at at forty or fifty bucks plus two drink tickets and tips. They always go, but there's tips. Well, girl, tips are not guaranteed. That is not money that I can bank on. That's not money that I can put towards my rent 
or my next wig or anything like that. So you're showing up and busting your ass and everybody there is collectively making a couple hundred bucks. Right. And that's pulling tips and everything. And it doesn't matter how much they love you, your show or you or, or how well you're doing. You look around the venue and it's packed. It's sold out. They're charging a cover fee and the venue is making thousands of dollars for literally unlocking the door and allowing you to come in. And we said, that's not right. That is absolutely not right. I, I want you to make your money, but I also want this to lead to better things for all of us. We still need to be able to pay our bills and invest in our art. And people, it, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. They, that was, they don't understand what it is. A big thing um, also from last year with like making sure people are paid properly and shows are diverse. My biggest thing was there were some venues I worked for where there'd be a cover or they would have like reservations or something, but we didn't see that money. Yeah. And so I asked several venues to, I want you to be transparent. Show me where the money's going. Tell me where it's going so I can understand better. So I'm not just like, oh, well, you made $3,000 in reservations, but we still get paid $50. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what we were talking about. And uh, the one thing I will say is the owners of Hamburger Mary's here in Orlando are the best people I think I've ever worked with. Because from day one, when we started there, that's what they've done. They're like, this is a breakdown on everything that we make for the day. This is where your pay comes from. This is where this money goes to. And so there's never been the question of, you know, am I being swindled? Am I being taken advantage of? Um, and at through the years, as the shows have gotten bigger and better and more popular, they increase with that. You know, like they right. give more money. I've very rarely seen um, owners of a business do that. Yeah, we there is actually the reason I asked uh, for bars to be transparent is because we actually had our show pay cut without being notified until we got to the club the night of the show. So we were making uh, 51 show and 75 another show. And then like the club was closing and relocating and they, we show up one day and they're like, so we had budget cuts. So your pay got cut. And instead of getting uh, 125 a week, we got 60 a week, $30 yeah. for two shows. And I'm like, that no. Mm-mm. No, it it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> That's me not how number. any of this works. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I think honestly, it, I used to say it as a joke, but now I'm really starting to think that it's true. Now that drag is is on such an international platform, just across the board, I think it's time for a union. I think yes. it's time that people start really taking us seriously as business people. Yes, that we have a few of us have been having that talk too, because like me, for example, I went to school for marketing and event coordinating. And so you got to think me and several other entertainers who do the marketing for our shows, we're spending three, four hours doing promo material, promoting it online, paying for ads. And it's like, we got to find somewhere to get our money's worth instead of wasting time and hoping people see it. Yeah, it's not like we've ever wanted to be the uh, sole benefactor of any of these shows. We don't want to be the only ones making money, but we have to feel like we're being valued just as much as everybody else involved. Right. And I always say that 
if you compare a night with no drag show to a night with a drag show, majority of the time sales are going to be higher with a drag show. So yeah. if we weren't there, you wouldn't be making this money anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I could talk about this shit all day long, yeah. but <laughs> I know we're, we're running low on time here. So I'm going to jump in to the four questions that I ask everybody who joins me on this podcast. Number one, what is your definition of a local queen? A local queen is someone who hasn't been on TV or has a big following online. Um, a local queen is someone who is, I wouldn't say booked regularly, but like they have to fight to get notoriety. We have to like make our names known on our own. It's not like we're on a TV show where if like a big network posts our picture, well, a million people are going to see the picture. We have to build our own followings up. So to me, I guess in short terms, that's a local queen. Okay. I, <laughs> hey, there are no right or wrong answers. I'm always here for everybody's opinion. Um, that leads me into question number two, which I think kind of piggybacks off of your answer for number one. What would your advice be to anybody out there looking to become a queen, local or otherwise? Do it for the right reasons. And take marketing classes if you can because as drag grows and becomes more mainstream if you don't have like if you don't have something to follow up your last move you're not going to go anywhere so always have a i guess like a business plan or a five-year plan of what you want to do not just some people do it for fun but if you want to make a career out of it you need to know what you're doing why you're doing it how you're doing it and then I loved in your first answer, you said it, it's about um, the publicity. You have to like find the publicity for yourself because there's not a network posting your picture. Um, how, how have you been able to find the publicity for yourself? Well, so the wrestling stuff helped me get mm -hmm. my name out there. Um, but stay relevant, stay with the times. Like you can perform songs from 92, but if you're not performing stuff today, the kids who were born in 2002 Stay relevant, pretty exactly. much. <laughs> that's, that's good advice across the board to everyone. Just stay relevant. <laughs> stay it. relevant. Turn on no the radio, listen to something. Uh, question number three. What is the most embarrassing moment you've ever had on stage? And I, I ask this question, a lot of people get thrown off by it, but I really ask it because I want the kids that are listening, that are just starting to realize it's okay to make mistakes. I'm the type of person, if something bad happens, I just act stupid and play it off. But I think the most embarrassing personal moment for me, but yeah, I was doing a local competition to win like a booking fee and a cash prize. And I had to lip sync a song and I didn't know the fucking words. <laughs> and I literally was like standing next to my friend. I was like, I don't know the words. Um, I think, yeah, I don't really get embarrassed that easily. So I just do. Did you pick the, the song? No, but we were given the song a week in advance. But my train of thought being a young, cocky queen is, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to be in the bottom. <laughs> and then I was in the bottom and I went home. Well, and that happens to a lot of girls, even on Drag Race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As we have seen, girl, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to be anywhere near the bottom. I am fierce. And meanwhile, flash to them writing on the mirror with some lipstick and going home. Right. Uh, question number four. What is the proudest moment you've ever had in drag? Uh, the proudest moment I've ever had 
was winning Drag Performer of the Year in 2018 because it was the day after my college graduation that my mom, my grandmother, and my grandfather were there, and they went on stage with me to accept the award. And then your grandfather made it disappear. Yes. And, and then you then, pulled it from behind your ear. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turned into a mouse instead of a rat. It, it um, was, which was very exciting for everybody. <laughs> yeah, but also that night, my grandmother stole the show and, like, did the whole catwalk. And, yeah, so... I, think I anything, live. Anything like family related with drag is always going to be my proudest moment. I agree. I agree. And I get that sense from you too. You know, you can tell when somebody really has that support system and that love behind them and, and you really appear to have that. So I have one more question. Where can, where can all of our listeners find you? You can find me on Facebook at Washington Heights drag queen because washington heights is a neighborhood um instagram underscore washington heights twitter washy heights that's w-a-s-h-y heights and then your shows uh you have the wild and out wednesday yes i have award winning award winning award winning and where's that at um that is at central bar and tavern in mount vernon Baltimore. I love that. I love it. I love all of this. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms. Just go to gingerminge.com, click the link tree, and you can find me. Washington Heights, this has been the most delightful conversation that I have had in a very long time. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I was kind of nervous at first, but you're actually like a normal person. Uh, well, <laughs> normal is a relative term. Yeah. <laughs> But I have really enjoyed getting to know you and we will connect outside of this because I really do want to get a little more involved in the drag wrestling world. And I also would love to come up to Baltimore, even if it's just to hang out and kind of absorb the scene a little bit. Absolutely. We will make this happen. I love it. Well, as always, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go back and check out all of our episodes. Like, comment, share, subscribe, all of that. And support your local queens because they are your hometown sheroes. So next time, we're out. Bye.